0: It, uh, it really is a privilege for my wife Lois and I to be here this morning. And, uh, we appreciate the opportunity to, uh, to just kind of plug into your study and where you're at in scripture. And, uh, and I, I certainly appreciate this opportunity to continue your study in John chapter four. Um, uh, just real quickly, uh, uh, by way of introduction, uh, my, um, I'm from, my name is Lucas Richard. My last name is a little bit, Tough to, to spell. It's spelled R-I-C-H-A-R-D. Right? No, that's Richard. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm from South Louisiana and in Louisiana, uh, my ancestors were, were French speaking. In fact, my grandparents didn't speak English until they were, uh, later in life. And, uh, and so we have a French connection there and that's why the Richard. My wife Lois is from Iowa, uh, from Des Moines, Iowa. And um you know I always joke that Iowa was part of the Louisiana purchase so she's as much a Louisianian as I am. And uh we were married in in 2014 going on 5 years. Um and I've been serving the Lord now in the mission field for almost 10 years and uh, more recently the Lord has has redirected us and called us to Liberia in West Africa. And uh, if you have a chance to come to the the missionary class uh, later this evening, um we'll give a report and an update on the Lord's work there. Uh, so if you come with me now to John chapter four, John chapter four, and uh, our text is going to take us from verses forty-three on to the end of the chapter in verses in verse fifty-four, um, and we're we're continuing on in this theme of the Gospel of John, and that is belief, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to remind us as our brother uh, uh, read for us from uh, John chapter twenty, verses thirty and thirty-one. This morning, the purpose statement for the gospel of John. The apostle says, uh, oh, here, let me turn there. John, if you will, just look at it with me. John chapter 20, verses 30 to 31. John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. It says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. That by believing, you may have life in His name. What is the purpose of the Gospel of John? The Apostle gives us that purpose statement right here. He says, these things are written, these miracles, these signs are recorded in such a way so that you may believe that Jesus is what? The Christ the Son of God, and that by believing we may have life in His name. How do we have life in Jesus' name? Let's look at it right there in verse 31. These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. Life, eternal life, salvation by grace comes through faith, that is, belief. In Jesus Christ. As we go to chapter 4, we're going to be looking at a contrast of beliefs, a contrast of faiths. That is different kinds of faith. And what I want us to really focus in on this morning is that faith which the Lord desires. That faith which the Lord desires. Because in chapter 4, we're going to see two types of faith. One which the Lord rebukes and one which the Lord accepts. And that's that's going to be our theme as we go through this. But let it be known that the purpose of this gospel and the purpose of these miracles, these signs that are recorded, is that to demonstrate for us the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ, to show us who He is. And that should lead us into a faith, a trust, a belief in Him as Savior and Lord. And through that faith, we have life. We can find life, salvation in Christ. John chapter 4, and we're going to begin in verse 43. Rather, actually, we're going to begin in verse 42 just to to bring in the context of this passage. In verse 42, it says, They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. After the two days... Jesus departed for Galilee, and in verse 44, "...for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown." So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. And so when he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine, and at Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill." And as he was going down, his servant met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus said to him, your son will live. And look at this. And he himself believed and all his household with him. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. Brothers and sisters, if you will, just join me in prayer as we move into this text. Our Lord, our Father, we we thank you for this opportunity that we have in faith to approach you um, as we did this morning in the breaking of bread, to remember that sacrifice which you made for us on Calvary, and also to worship you for who you are, to remember you as the Christ, the Son of God, who came down from heaven, who took on human flesh, who in your own blood paid for our sins. And Lord, indeed, it is by faith in you and faith in that sacrifice this morning that we are, are saved and redeemed and called the sons of God. And so, Lord, we thank you. I pray as we come to your word, as we look here, um as you move from uh, uh from Samaria down into Galilee and and uh um approach this uh these Galileans who had a different motive, a different faith. Um, Lord, I ask that you would show us that contrast in faith, and, and help us to understand what it is that faith that that is pleasing to you, that faith which you desire. And so, Lord, I ask for your help and grace. I pray that by your Spirit you would you would speak this morning to the hearts of your people. That it would not be simply in, in the wisdom of man and whatever my mind could conjure up, but rather in the leading of the Spirit of God. And Lord, I ask. And recognize that if, if you do not uh, enable this morning, then uh, then I'm speaking into the air in vain. But Lord, if it is by your leading and by your grace, may it be worth something to your people. So Father, we ask for your help as we look at your word. In Jesus' name, amen. And so we, we started out, and I, I read verse 42, because I want us to see here a contrast in faith. A contrast in faith. If you will remember, I believe last Sunday you were uh, you started in, in chapter 4, um, and we saw this interaction with the woman at the well, uh, the Samarian woman. And the Lord made a purpose as He was coming from Jerusalem for the Feast of the Passover, heading back towards His, his homeland, if you will, to Galilee. He takes this route that goes through Samaria. And why is that important or why is that significant? It's important for us to note that the Jews did not like the Samarians. The Jews viewed the Samaritans as, as being a hybrid, if you will, or a half-breed, or, or whatever kind of derogatory word you could put on it. And there was this dispute among them about where it is proper to worship, whether, whether at Jacob's well uh, on the mountain or whether at the temple in Jerusalem. But the Lord cuts through all of that, that, that foolishness uh, and bickering, and he brings it around to the point to himself. He challenges the woman at the well and tells her everything which she had done, convicts her of her sin. She believes in Him. She recognizes, surely this is a prophet. And then she says, well, the Christ is coming. And the Lord Jesus says, I who speak to you am He. And she believes. She trusts. She accepts that this is the Messiah in her presence. She's so excited that she frantically runs down to the town, to, to was it Sichar and and she tells everyone, come and see the Messiah, the prophet, who told me everything which I've done. And people ran. At the hearing of her testimony, ran to the Lord Jesus. And then after some time, as the Lord taught them, they, they looked to the woman and they said, we no longer believe because of the word which you spoke, but we believe because we heard Him for ourselves. But I want us to look at what they believed. What was the faith or the object of their faith? What did they believe? Look at verse 42. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed what? If you look down at verse 42 with me. That this is indeed the Savior of the world. Wow. Wow. What did they believe? When they, when they saw um, something semi-miraculous, that, that here's a, a man who could, who could have such insight into the heart of a, of a person that he could tell this woman everything that she had ever done. And when they heard him for himself, uh, heard him for themselves, they were led to believe what? That surely this is the Savior. Of the world. This is the Christ, the Son of God. Remember our purpose statement in the Gospel of John. This is the faith that the Lord desired. And so he left. He left from from Samaria, and he's coming down to Galilee. And we're going to see a contrast here in the kind of reception that he receives and the kind of attitude of heart in the people receiving him. In Samaria, they came to believe in him for who he is. The Son of God, the Christ, the Savior of the world. But then he departs for Galilee, his hometown, his home—we uh, uh, could call it county, if you will, his region. And as he's he's departing in verse 44, I, this this statement really stood out to me, and and it made me, its one of those those times where you stop and you say, "Really, Lord? Really? Look at what it says." In verse uh, 43, 44, it says, After the two days he departed for Galilee. So he's he's purposed he's going to Galilee. But in verse 44, some of you might notice that conjunction there, for, F-O-R. He departed for Galilee for or because, in verse 44, Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. And I stop and I look at it and I say, wait, Really? You're going to your hometown because you know no one there will honor you. You're going to your own hometown because you know, what? That they don't believe? That you are who you say you are? That you are the Christ, the Son of God? You know, Jesus, He he faced this in in Mark um, uh, chapter 6. And I'll read for you verses 1 to 6. Just to give you an idea of the attitude of the Galileans. Of the people in Jesus' home. Hometown and home region. Let's look at Mark chapter 6 and verse 1. It says, "...He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? Uh, what what, What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary?" And brother of James and, and Joseph and Judas and Simon are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their what? Unbelief. And he went out about among the villages teaching. So here the Lord Jesus is rejected. He's met with, with an attitude of heart that says, Who is he? He came from here. We knew him. We saw him playing with his brothers and sisters. Is not he the son of Mary, the, the son of Joseph, the carpenter? And who is he to come and begin telling us these things? They were offended at him. And so now the Lord Jesus, back in John chapter 4 and verse 43, is purposing in himself that he is going to go back home to his hometown. And again, in verse 44, why? Well, because he knew, he knew that they were offended at him. He knew that they were not going to accept him. So I asked this question, why, Lord, why would you go back there? Why would you go to Galilee knowing this? Surely, after what you just experienced in Samaria, there's much more openness for the gospel among other people groups. Why go to this hard-hearted people? And I submit to you, brothers and sisters, is it's because there was one man there who would believe. Not simply believe that that he is a miracle worker or that, that somehow he has this special ability, but that would truly come to believe in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior that official, that nobleman of Galilee. And so when he came to Galilee, in verse 45, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. I want to submit to you something here this morning. Based on what the Lord Jesus is about to say in verse 48, I don't think that the Galilean welcome was one of faith. They were not standing there welcoming the Messiah, the Son of God, the Christ, but instead welcoming a miracle worker, a magician, a man who has great talent and ability. But they missed the point. They missed the point. Remember that the point of Jesus' signs and miracles is to lead us into a faith that He is the Christ, the Son of God, and through believing and trusting in Him, we can have life in His name. But rather, these Galileans were seeking Him because of the goodies, because of the blessings, because of the miracles. I submit that, that there was probably even a little bit of pride because here He was in, in Jerusalem, and all these people come from around uh, uh, the known world to, to sacrifice in Jerusalem, and they heard and saw this miracle worker. and And I imagine at some point somebody said, oh yeah, that's the man from Galilee, the Nazarene, the Nazareth from Nazareth. Imagine that there was a level of pride in welcoming him back. Oh, this is our miracle worker. And so they welcome him. And in verse 46, when he came to Cana in Galilee, where he was made, where he made the water to wine, and at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. And when the man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. I want us to see Jesus' immediate response to this official coming down, who, by the way, uh, the word for official in the Greek, um, likely, uh, it it connotates um, one of of royalty or or perhaps one who worked maybe for King Herod of Antipas. Uh, And so here was a a high-ranking man who heard that Jesus was there, who trusted, who had faith that he of anyone could heal his son, and he comes to the Lord in desperation, seeking out a miracle. Now let me let's look at Jesus' response in verse forty eight. So Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Now wait. I'm a missionary. One one element of our ministry that, that uh takes a lot of our time is helping sick people. Uh, we live out in the jungle in a village where there's, there's little to no access to medical care. And so we, a lot of times if someone's sick, who do they go to? Well, they know there's a missionary in the village and that's who they, they'll come to. And they'll come and they'll ask for help or they'll ask for medicine and, and we help in what way we can. But I want us to think about in, in terms of, here's a man who comes with desperation to the Lord. His son is dying. There's no hope for his son. If, if anything, only the Lord Jesus could perform a miracle to heal, to save the life of His Son. And how does Jesus respond to him? I, you know, we, we often would, would, would want to say, well, I mean, if, if someone comes here in desperation, brother, can I pray with you? Let's, let's pray for healing. Let's pray for the Lord to, to intervene. Let's pray for peace and comfort and, and grace. Is that how Lord, the Lord responds to him? What does he say? He says, unless you, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. I want to point something out here. That the word you in the Greek is in the plural form. It's one of those things we miss out in English. Uh, You know, I I think a better way to translate it so we might understand is, is Jesus says, unless y'all, we're down south, right? (laughs) Unless y'all see signs and wonders, y'all will not believe. The Lord is not specifically addressing the the official, the nobleman who's coming, but He's in general addressing the Galileans, rebuking them in general because they're they're sign seekers. They're miracle seekers. They're coming for the goodies, but not for the man, for the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord, I think, is going to use the nobleman to contrast to give us some contrast between the attitude of the, the Galilean people and what happens in the heart and the life and the attitude of this official who comes seeking the lord 's help for his son, Jesus said to the, the, the official responds to that I, I, I can only imagine when Jesus said. This to the, to the Galileans rebuking them for, for their sign seeking and their miracle seeking instead of seeking the Lord. And, and, and can you imagine this man who came all this way? I think it's about 16 miles, uh, if I, if I understood that correctly, uh, that he would have walked to come and beg the Lord in desperation to save the life of his son. And, and then the Lord says, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And then the man just says, just come down and heal my son, please. I'm desperate. And so the Lord, in a moment of compassion, in a moment of sympathy, maybe even empathy, says to the man, in verse 50, go, your son will live. The Lord is rebuking that that attitude that seeks just the signs and the miracles, but in this man he saw desperation and in, in, in compassion and mercy, he says, go, your son will live. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken and he went on his way. So here we see faith. The man believed the word which Jesus had spoken and he went on his way. I don't think he went begrudgingly. He started out on his journey to come and seek the Lord with a faith and understanding that this man has the ability to heal my son. And now when the Lord Jesus does not honor his request to go down physically in person and heal the son, but instead says, go, your son will live. The Lord is showing him his own power, his omnipotence, his omnipresence, his omniscience. He is saying, go, he is healed. And this man believed. He believed, he trusted that if Jesus is who he says he is, then surely my son will live. And he went on his way in faith. And verse 51, as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. And so he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. And the father knew that this was the hour when Jesus said to him, your son will live. And look at what it says here. And he himself, what? Believed. And all his household. I think we see a progression of faith here. Because he started out in desperation seeking the one whom he believed could help his son. But now that he sees this miracle, now that he's on the receiving end of it and he's experienced it and, and, and it's it's validated for him and his son lives, I think he progressed into the next step of faith. And that is not just believing in the ability of the Lord, but believing in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world I think we see this reflected in the the way that the the, the people in Samaria received the Lord when they believed they believed indeed that this is the Savior of the world this man progressed into that saving faith that trust not just oh I know God can do it or I know yeah he's able but trusting in who he is And his ability to save. The Galileans were out seeking the signs. They were seeking the miracles. They were seeking the wonders. And the prestige that comes with having one of your own. Be this popular miracle worker. And the Lord rebukes that attitude. Because the faith which he approves. The faith which he is seeking. Is one that does not just seek the blessing. But rather the blesser. Not just a gift, but rather to give her that faith, that trust, that Jesus as the Son of God is our Savior. His own people rejected that. Even though they saw the signs and the wonders which they liked so much, they still were offended at Him. They still refused to accept that He is the Son of God. I see this in Africa quite a bit. In Liberia, following, following their civil war, um, as has happened in many African countries, um, there's a little bit of a vacuum when, when missionaries are gone and, the, and, and people are dispersed and so on. And after this war, we see the charismatic movement moving into Liberia. And uh, one of the fastest growing, one of the largest denominations in the country is called Winner's Chapel. And Winner's Chapel is all about health, wealth, and prosperity, unashamedly. And we meet many, many Liberians. And if you, if you want to go and ask them, are, are you a Christian or how did you get saved? Most of them will not be able to give you a clear gospel. They'll tell you about how God is blessing them. They'll tell you about how they've they sowed their seed gift of faith, or how they've sacrificed this. That surely God will bless them in this way. I have it all the time. People come to me in desperation, asking me to pray for them that God would bless them, that God would would give them food to eat, that God would give them money that they need. That, uh, we had a woman come asking for prayer for, that she would have a baby, and 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 all these things. And those things are not wrong, but there's something missing. They're coming to the Lord, they're coming to the missionary to seek the Lord not for salvation, not for their eternal well-being, but rather for the temporal. And in a country, Liberia is now the poorest country in the world, it is very easy to seek the Lord for the goodies, for the gifts, for the blessings, for what we can get out of it temporally. But brothers and sisters, the faith which the Lord seeks is the faith that trusts in Him, in His person, in His character, in His nature, in who He is. And the Lord would say, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Seek the Lord, not the blessing, not the miracle. Oftentimes, this kind of faith, this, this kind of um, seeking out the Lord for the goodies, for the blessings, and all those things that can come with it, often leads to disappointment. Not because God is not faithful. That's not what I'm saying. But when somebody comes and they sow their seed gift of faith, and they, they come to the missionary, and the missionary who's supposed to be this special man of God, lays hands and prays for them, and they walk away and they say, Surely, tomorrow, a thousand Liberian dollars are going to be at my doorstep. Well, when they wake up in the morning and it's not there... Who are they disillusioned with? Who are they disillusioned with? With the Lord. With God. They say, well, surely God is able to do that. Why wouldn't He do that? The intent of the heart. You don't seek the Lord for the blessing. We seek the Lord for who He is. And we love Him for who He is. And we trust in Him because we know who He is. We trust in Him because He is able to save. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Do you believe? It is all too easy. You know, I'm I'm using an example in the poorest country in the world and we can say, well, we understand that. But it happens right here in America. This, This same attitude of heart is still alive and well today. People come to church because they want to, to be energized, because they want somebody to, to maybe counsel them for the hard times and the things they're going through, uh, because maybe they need something in life and the only way to get it is to come to church to get close to God. That same attitude is still alive today. The Lord is calling us to seek Him for who He is, not just for what He can do and what He can give. And so again, we see the contrast of faith. The Sumerians believed on the Lord and they said, we believe truly this is the Savior who is to come. This is the Messiah of whom our forefathers prophesied that He would come and bear our sin, that He would break down that middle wall of separation. Can you imagine for the Sumerians? They were outcast. They were marginalized. They were told that they were not worshiping properly. And the Lord Jesus comes in and says, Truly I tell you, a time is coming when you you will neither worship on this mountain or in Jerusalem, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him in spirit and in truth. What is the Father seeking? Those to worship Him in spirit and in truth. The Sumerians believed, and I imagine that for them it was a moment of of, of revelation, a moment of uh, um, excitement to know The Messiah is present. Messiah is not concerned with our foolish squabbling with the Jews, but rather He is our Savior too. Not just for the Jews, but also for us. And they believed, they trusted that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And they found life in His name. The Galileans were seeking the blesser. They were seeking the gifts. They were seeking the miracles. They were seeking the sign. And the Lord rebukes it. And I think he used this official. This man who many Jews might say was, was probably not the greatest of men. He worked for King Herod. They didn't like Herod of Antipas very much and, and, and all these kinds of things. But here this, this man comes down and he demonstrates the kind of faith which the Lord is looking for. Not only did he believe in the ability of Christ, but he came to believe in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the example of faith, which I I think we should draw from this text this morning. And so let's um, pray as we close our time. I want us to each examine ourselves. I I know many of us here are believers, and we've come to the Lord in a saving faith, in a faith that that trusts in Christ and His work alone for salvation. But I think it's possible that there are People are some among us today, perhaps even ourselves, who come to the Lord seeking what we can get, seeking the blessing. And I would encourage us to seek the Lord, seek His kingdom, and all these other things will be added. Trust in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we come to You in that faith, that faith which acknowledges who You are, the Son of God, God manifested in flesh who came down from heaven, the eternal God, the creator, the one by whom, for whom, and through whom all things were created. And indeed, Lord, we recognize that we are created for you and for your purposes. And Lord, we come to you trusting in in your work on the cross for our salvation. And Lord, we know that we trust in you for our whole life, for our daily bread, for our sustenance. For all that we need, but Lord, we recognize that, that in your faithfulness you add these things to us. Not that we seek the gift, but rather the giver. But Lord, I, I do pray that you would examine the attitudes of our heart. As we come to you, do we only seek the blessing? Do we only seek the gift? Do we only seek the goodies? Oh Lord, I pray that you would correct that attitude of heart just as you did in Galilee. And, Lord, that you would point us to a faith that just simply trusts in who you are. And knowing that because of who you are, you can do all these things that that we need. And so, Lord, we honor you as the Christ, the Son of God, this morning. Our faith is in you and in your work on the cross. And we trust you for your faithfulness. And we thank you. I pray that as we leave from here that our hearts would be encouraged. I pray, Lord, that your word would not be quick to depart from our our minds. I pray, Lord, that we would be not hearers only but doers of the word of God and that you would help us to share this faith with others. And so, Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name.